Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the Internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Today you're going to hear round one from a show recorded September 7th, 2013 at Union Hall in Brooklyn, where I will be back on December 27th for the first ever New York City Championship edition of Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction. Come check that out, 7.30 doors, 8 p.m. show, Union Hall in Brooklyn. But on today's episode, you'll hear Raj Sivaraman, Chris Tinkle, Ari Shafir, and Robert Dean reading pieces they wrote in advance based upon topics of their choosing. Enjoy. And please welcome your first competitor from the first round who has come with a prepared piece, Mr. Robert Dean, ladies and gentlemen. Robert Dean. Yeah, thank you. All right, so before I read, uh, in deciding, I wanted to do something universal, something that everyone knew, you know, like Lady Lovely Locks. (laughs) And then I told Brian what I was doing, and he had never heard of it. Uh, So I have to ask you guys, how many of you know what Candy Crush is? All right. So if you don't, it's a cell phone game where you match three like candies. (laughs) Here are the characters. Now let us enjoy my candy crush. (laughs) Wow, splendid days, I exclaimed as I arrived in Candy Town. I was finally going to meet Mr. Toffee in person after months of one of the most sexual online relationships I've ever had. (laughs) He had been promising to stretch my pussy like Toffee. (laughs) I quivered with anticipation. The train ride into town had passed through a number of tunnels which only added to my horniness. I get so turned on whenever I see a train go through a tunnel, an oil derrick, a hot dog factory, a rocket launch, or people eating fruit. I couldn't wait to have my tiny cartoon snatch filled. I arrived at Mr. Toffee's gingerbread apartment building in the afternoon. Some of the windows were boarded up with graham crackers. And the gumdrop and icing facades were covered in dust, dirt, crumbs, and hair. It seemed like downtown Candytown was just another city lost in the couch cushions of this struggling economy. It took an hour to climb the stairs because of my tiny stature. I got to his door, fixed my pigtails, adjusted my dress, and knocked. Mr. Toffee almost immediately swung the door open, stepped out, and looked around to see who was there. He couldn't see me. I barely came up to his shin. I looked up and all I could see was the huge bulge in his blue bell-bottoms. He was also wearing knee pads. I knew those would come in handy later. Hey, it's me, Tiffy, I said to get his attention. Mr. Toffee stepped back and looked down. His eyes lit up and his red mustache pulled back with a devilish smile. He was wearing a red vest, red jacket, and a black tie. He had a monocle and a top hat, so I knew he had money. I wanted to grab his long, stringy red beard and pull him into me. I licked my lips, batted my large, cartoon blue eyes. Great to see you. Yes, great to see you. Tiffy, come in, come in. Nice to finally meet you. He said, sounding exactly like television star Alan Alda. (laughs) 
My pussy immediately got soaked, as it always does whenever anyone does an Alan Alda impression. <laughs> I followed Mr. Toffee into the living room. He stretched out his long arm and massive hands to point to a marshmallow couch. I pulled, my pulled myself up onto it and rolled into the corner. Because of my weird round body, I couldn't sit without showing my panties to Mr. Toffee. But I wanted to show them to him. I wore my cotton candy panties. I could tell he liked them. Uh, can I get you anything? He asked. I want you, I said, smiling large and showing both of my teeth. I wasn't gonna play coy. I could tell Mr. Toffee was getting excited as the bulge in his pants started growing. Oh, you're feeling horny, huh? Excited. Why don't you go ahead and touch yourself? Mr. Toffee offered. My fingers were already on my panties before he finished the question. My cotton candy panties were already soaked through. These are in the way, I teased, sliding them off my stubby legs and throwing them across the room. Mr. Toffee loved my initiative and began walking towards me, his freakishly large right hand rubbing his growing erection and pointing at my pussy with his left, barking directions. Yeah, swipe it. Yeah, swipe it. Yeah, like that. Yeah, up and down. You could go up and down, left and right. Yeah, match that. Oh, yeah, that's how you do that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Any, any combination is great. Mmm, <laughs> this is just like bejeweled, I moaned. <laughs> Baby, you haven't seen anything yet. He got on his knees and began licking my red jelly bean clit. <laughs> while his long, stretchy fingers swiped across my pussy lips. The marshmallow couch below me started getting soft and sticky from all the simple syrup pouring out of my cupcake pussy. Whoa, he said with excitement, pulling his face from my crotch. Looks like I got a special candy. He stood and dropped his pants, exposing his huge, wide, orange jelly bean dick. Should I rip my candy, he asked. I don't have diabetes, I laughed. You know, if we match these two special candies, he explained, something great happens. He climbed on the couch and slid his jelly bean into my wet cupcake. He fucked me hard. He was right. Something great did happen. I came up and down, left and right. Mmm, tasty, I deeply moaned. Delicious, sweet, divine. We have to get all the ingredients down, he panted, his hazelnut slapping against my ass. He seemed to be growing frustrated that he hadn't come yet. I don't have any more moves, I told him. He pulled his cock out, turned, and stuck his butthole directly in my face. <laughs> he had colorful specks littering his dark hole. It looked like earlier he had wiped his ass with confetti. Uh, swipe this chocolate donut and something really great will happen. So I slid my finger into his asshole. He tugged on his dick like he was pulling a tricky cork out of a champagne bottle. <laughs> what if I swipe your donut with this? I asked, sticking out my yellow lemon drop tongue. He nodded. I plunged my tongue deep into his chocolate donut butthole. Even Voodoo, the greatest hipster artist in donut shop, could not make a donut shop as, as a donut as delicious as Mr. Toffee's asshole. <laughs> After five minutes of donut ecstasy, my face a mess, I wanted more. Toffee turned around and began fucking me again. With each new level of fucking, Toffee just got harder and harder. Can I introduce you to some of my friends, he asked. I smiled wide and waved my arms around with joy. Splendid days, I breathed. I want to see the world. Come on in, guys, Toffee said. First in the living room was a sex robot, a fuck machine. Mr. Toffee and I both got fucked by the machine's giant lollipop dildo hands. It bleeped and blorped with pleasure. Then a red dragon slithered out in front of the marshmallow couch. 
Can I help you? I asked nearly out of breath, but wanting more. I love helping. (laughs) Take me to Lemonade Lake. This lake is out of lemonade, he sobbed, (laughs) tilting his head back and closing his eyes. Too short to squat over his head, I sat in his nostrils, his hot dragon breath blowing up into my butthole. I closed my eyes and focused on my bladder. At first a few drops, but eventually I gushed lemonade piss into the dragon's mouth. Meanwhile, Mr. Toffee squatted in front of me and filled my mouth with his dick. I started sucking the nitrous pre-cum from Mr. Toffee before he exploded salty whipped cream into my mouth, then all over my face and dress. Clean up all this jelly, he said, pointing at the ejaculate I now felt caked in. I tried as hard as I could, but I couldn't. I'm sorry I can't do it, I admitted, defeated, nearly falling off the dragon's nostrils. My pussy, reddened in pain, looked like a broken heart with a face and a tear in its eye. <laughs> it's okay, Mr. Toffee said, walking away disappointed, grabbing a towel and throwing it at me. No, wait, I'm sorry, I can do it, I can do it. We can't stop, give me another shot. Well, it's gonna cost you, he said over his shoulder. <laughs> what? Listen, I need to make money where I can. If you want to keep fucking, just give me, oh, I don't know, a dollar ninety-nine. Oh, I don't have any money. Well, then we'll have to wait a half hour, he shrugged. <laughs> uh, we were so close. You know what, tell you what, if you let me videotape this and post it on your Facebook, we can go again right now. Oh, I don't know, I responded. I really didn't ha- want my friends and families to find out about this. I was a little ashamed. If you post about it on Facebook, I'll also throw in these Swedish fish anal beads. <laughs> he offered. Sure, okay, fine. I needed more. I didn't care. Let the world know about this. Toffee and I continued fucking. We fucked every half hour on the half hour. And five times every morning on the way to work. <laughs> We seemed to fuck the most while I was on the toilet at work. (laughs) Toffee introduced me to more sex toys, positions, and to more of his friends. A Yeti yeti covered in semen, a shit-covered rabbit, and a unicorn with a dick for a horn. I was addicted. I kept changing clocks to see Mr. Toffee again. Eventually, I just couldn't do what Toffee wanted anymore. I wasn't lucky or skillful enough to get him off. We kept trying, but I kept feeling like my life was slipping away. Three months ago, I deleted Mr. Toffee from my phone and have never looked back. (laughs) Since then, sure, I fucked my fair share of angry birds and fruity ninjas. (laughs) But the best sex of my life will always be Mr. Toffee, my candy crush. Robert Dean. With an Alan Alda that sounds a lot like Mark Norman. Uh, Keep it going for your next comic round one, Ari Shafir, ladies and gentlemen. Clap your hands for Ari Shavir. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. First of all, before I start, I just want to say that it's funny watching the people that came in late uh, and watching the show and then just going, this is really dirty. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a kind of an improviser, so I'm just going to make this up as I go along. Hold on. I'm not really going to make it up. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is called Her Name is Samantha. Her name is Samantha. Samantha, not all the horrible names her friends and coworkers had called her over the years. Samantha, not Fatty McGross, not Tubbo Barf, not the Lardzard Queen. Samantha, and soon they would all know her name. It wasn't her fault. She had a thyroid problem that made her hold weight. Samantha, not Biggie Biggs, not Twyfright, and definitely not what they all called her, Miss Piggy. Yeah, she was fat, everybody. (laughs) 
It was a horrible nickname they gave her. <laughs> For years, she had been pursuing the most important man in the theater group, Kermit. Kermit was a frog, and all the girls know what he could offer them. A tongue made for eating box. <laughs> Samantha wanted the kind of screaming or that orgasm that Camilla the chicken talked about. Camilla fucked Kermit last year while he, she and Gonzo were like breaking up. Her name is Samantha. But Kermit has always had an excuse. It was time to play the music. He had to light the lights. He already had makeup on and dressed up right. Anything to get out of eating her out. One time, Samantha overheard Kermit and Fozzie Bear talking in Fozzie's dressing room. How's the road puss? Kermit asked him. Eh, tons of fat chicks. Not Miss Piggy fat, but pretty hefty. <laughs> it's gonna get so much darker, hold on. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> Kermit laughed and said, that's hilarious. Did you do it with any of them? Ooh, no, said Fozzie. Well, I got a blowjob from some married chick at Dr. Grin's in Michigan. <laughs> she had never been with a bear before. That came in her mouth. <laughs> she wanted me to return the favor, but I told her it was an early flight the next day and showed her the door, waka waka. Dude, Kermit said, going down on fat chicks is disgusting. Miss Biggie's always trying to get me to hook up with her, and I don't have the heart to tell her that I'm allergic to ham on rolls. <laughs> they both laughed and high-fived. Sweet fat joke, bro. <laughs> Samantha was crushed, but right then she knew what she had to do. Get rid of the fat. The gastric bypass was a success. <laughs> Samantha had never felt this beautiful before. Of course... She still had the skin flap that hung over her vagina, but Dr. Honeydew said it would go away over time. <laughs> if she ate right and exercised regularly. Her name is Samantha. She walked into work on Monday, and you should have seen the stairs. Everyone was shocked at how much weight she lost over one weekend. <laughs> Sam the Eagle was the first one to notice. Miss Piggy? Is that you? Why, you look amazing. Thanks, Sam. Wow, you're very welcome. Hey, have you heard that Syria has nuclear weapons? <laughs> Don't you think we should... Sam, nobody believes you anymore. <laughs> Down the hallway, she walked towards Kermit's office. <laughs> He'd have to love her now. He'd have to see how beautiful she had always been. And she passed the kitchen, trying to stay strong. She heard a familiar voice call out to her. <laughs> No, she responded. No donuts for me today, chef. I'm trying to eat healthy. Flurfin, blurfin, schlief. Thank you. I'll see you at lunch for a light salad. Flurfin, blurfin, schloop. All right. Maybe just one T-bone steak won't kill me. And a cookie. I'll see you at noon. Right now, I'm on a mission. A jizz mission. Her name is Samantha. She walked down the hall to Kermit's office and didn't even knock. In her head, she knew how this would go. She would burst in. Kermit would see her and they'd immediately embrace. Kissing would quickly escalate to get in that tongue. That's what she imagined. Samantha opened Kermit's door and what she saw horrified her. Kermit was crouched down on the floor by his couch, his face buried in between the naked legs of this week's guest host, Mariel Hemingway. <laughs> <laughs> the story takes place like 25 years ago. It's, you know, it's like a period thing. 
Kermit turned around in surprise, the end of his tongue still around his face and inside <laughs> what was now revealed as Muriel Hemingway's surprisingly hairy muff. Get the fuck out of here, Kermit yelled, his arms flopping. I was supposed to do that. <laughs> Get out of here. Samantha just stood there shocked. Mariel fucking Hemingway? Are you doing with this no-talent bitch? She's worthless. Her grandfather fucking shot himself in the face when he saw her. It's been an, he'd be dead anyway by now. Relax, everybody. Piggy, Kermit yelled. What the fuck is wrong with you? Get out. He stood and walked over to her. He was halfway across the room before his tongue came out of Muriel Hemingway's twat. <laughs> God, that was a long tongue. Before Kermit slammed the door in her face, she managed to stammer, but, but don't you like my new body? Who knows what she was hoping to, for him to say at that? Who knows? But she didn't deserve what she got. New body, Kermit asked. Who cares about the body? The reason we never fucked is because you're a horrible person. Miss Piggy describes your insides. Your personality. <laughs> and with that, he slammed the door. Her name is Samantha. Over the next few months, Samantha fell into a deep depression. She tried covering it with booze, pills, and random sex, especially random sex. She tried every guy uh, she thought could please her. Gonzo was first. He gave her a nose job. Now, in this instance, nose job... Uh, <laughs> does not mean the classic nose job that Jewish girls get for their 16th birthday. Uh, here, nose jobs means kind of like uh, sex with a nose. Uh, all right. He gave her a nose job. That was interesting. The noise alone made it nearly impossible to come. It was very distracting. No wonder you can't play the puppet, she said in anger. Gonzo was hurt. Well, he said, no wonder everyone thinks, still thinks of you as a fat pig. <laughs> on one of her therapist-described walks in the sun, she found herself on Sesame Street. Cookie, Mas Cookie Monster asked for a dollar. She laughed at some ethnic children trying to read a two-syllable word. <laughs> it took him a long time to read those fucking words. They were like nine letters. Then she rounded the corner and came across a giant, hairy elephant. Hi, I'm Snuffleupagus, he said. She barely heard him. All she could concentrate on was that giant trunk, that rod of a tongue. They started making out. It was okay, it was okay but she quickly realized that Snuffleupagus was a virgin and probably had Down syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> that did not stop her. She managed to get nearly his entire trunk inside her puss before he started crying. I don't like this game. <laughs> he protested. Come on, she said. You almost got the prize. Then we can go for Slurpees. <laughs> oh boy, Slurpees, yay! And he turned and left. She didn't come. What's worse is that when he was walking away, she heard him say, talking to Big Bird. Hey, who was that you were with, Snuffy? Big Bird asked him. Wasn't anybody, says Snuffleupagus. What? I thought I just saw you with anybody. With somebody. Nope. Must have been your imagination. <laughs> Snuffleupagus was denying her existence. <laughs> After that, she went through nearly every cast member one by one, except one time she got double teamed by Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> they all remembered her as a fat girl. Nobody ever came back for seconds. Nobody's willing to see the new her. This wasn't at all like the movie She's All That. This also takes place in 2002. <laughs> 
both, both my parents. <laughs> her name is Samantha. One day when she was in her dressing room running a song for the show, Janice was playing guitar while Samantha worked out the lyrics. This is going to be great, Janice said. The Electric Mayhem band is going to kill this. I know Animal's working really hard in the drum solo. Samantha didn't care. Uh, as long as my voice comes across, it'll be a hit. Janice just rolled her eyes. She's dealt with plenty of divas in her time. Well, I'm sure you're right. And anyway, I'm glad we're doing it, because Floyd just broke up with his girlfriend in March, and he just got back into playing again. Floyd? Yeah, you know, the, our bassist? Floyd. I don't remember him. He's the black guy? Oh, yeah, Floyd. Yeah, I've seen him before. <laughs> at the rap party, Samantha kept looking at Floyd from across the room. Eventually, he got the message and came over. Damn, girl, you looking for me for real? You fitting to get some of that D? They weren't in her dressing room more than two minutes before his massive cock was inside her. He pushed back fast so far. I'm sorry. He pushed back back and forth so fast that she swore she could smell uh, bacon cooking. But there was one thing she wanted from him. Go down on me, she pleaded. I want to feel your crazy mustache on my clit as you tongue my G-spot. Oh, no. <laughs> that ain't, we don't really do that shit. Plus, I don't eat swine. <laughs> Floyd blasted his load inside her, and with that, he pulled his dick out of her, wiped it on her dress, and left the dressing room, taking 20 bucks out of her wallet as he walked out. <laughs> Again, this is like 25 years ago, so in those times, this is all... Okay, Samantha was devastated. This is her last chance to find someone willing to love her for who she was. She walked over, still naked, to her desk and opened up the top drawer. The pistol inside stared up at her calling on her to stop being a coward. <laughs> she sat there for a while and then walked back outside to the party, still naked and dripping purple muppages running down her legs. <laughs> Everyone got quiet and stared as she walked to the center of the room. Kermit was there. My name is Miss Piggy. I am Miss Piggy, and I'm proud to be Miss Piggy. Because even if you can't see it, pigs are beautiful, and you will never know what you're missing. And she turned and walked back into her dressing room, leaving everyone in stunned silence that was only broken by the sound of a single gunshot. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Ari Shapir. Go figure, he went dark. <laughs> Keeping up with your next contestant, Mr. Raj Sivaraman, ladies and gentlemen. Raj Sivaraman. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to read uh, the first show that I remember getting an erection to. Uh, it was uh, NBC's hit sitcom, Wings. <laughs> Thanks for flying, Joe. I really think I had a good chance for this audition, Helen said cheerily. No problem, Helen. I'm sure this one will finally work out, replied Joe, the pilot and owner of Sandpiper Air. Helen, the airport cafe owner, was looking forward to her audition for the Maine State Philharmonic. This is a great opportunity for her to perform for one of New England's top six orchestras. <laughs> Thanks for flying us too, Joe. Brian, Lowell, Roy, Faye, and Antonio all added. <laughs> the rest of the gang were all aboard the Cessna 402C to go see John Cougar Mellencamp at the Boston Garden because it was still the 90s. Joe somehow got conned into being the designated pilot for the whole trip. I don't even get to enjoy Mellencamp the way he was meant to be heard. Drunk, Joe thought to himself. This is going to be the worst trip ever. I'm so excited to see the boss, Faye squealed. No, Faye, Springsteen is the boss. We're seeing John Cougar Mellencamp, corrected Roy. Oh, is it too late to turn around, Joe, muttered Faye. This is so exciting to go to my... F oh. This is so exciting to go to my first concert in America. 
In my village in Italy, we only had one concert a year. It was a traveling piper who would come in and steal all our children, said Antonio. <laughs> Wasn't that the Pied Piper of Hamlin, asked Brian. Oh, were you Italian, Brian? I didn't think so, retorted Antonio. He was in one of those moods. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was a stewardess, we all went to go see Andy Gibb. He was a real stud back then, Faye interjected. I love Andy Bibb. I love Andy Gibb. My mother used to play his music to me when I was a little child, offered Helen. Excuse me, Helen, but I believe I was talking. Helen made an annoyed face, and Faye continued. So we all got to go backstage, and it was just me and Andy, and he started undressing me. Our uniforms had a lot of layers back then, so it took quite some time. <laughs> Wait a minute, Faye. Are you saying you slept with Andy Gibb? Asked Roy in his usual creepy manner. Well, Roy, sleeping is probably the only thing we didn't do. In my village in Italy... <laughs> There was a famous statue of the Madonna, which had a fold in her dress that looked just like a vagina. My cousin Carlo once dared me 1,000 lira to put my penis into her. And I did, again and again. I made 10,000 lira that day. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything, Antonio? Well, Brian, I just wanted Faye to know she wasn't the only one to have sex with an idol. <laughs> Look... Faye, Antonio, none of us are going to have sex with John Cougar Mellencamp. Speak for yourself, Joe, piped Lowell. <laughs> Everyone stared at Lowell incredulously, waiting for the other crazy shoe to drop. No, I wouldn't mind a little tenderness from the Coog. You know what really hurts so good? The thought that I might not get to touch his penis. <laughs> Lowell, you can't be serious. Indeed I am, Roy. Just imagine me, him, Jack, maybe even Diane, tussling around, our muscular bodies forming a sexual union that could at best be described as cosmic. Silence fell on the, 402, on the Cessna 402C business liner, only to be broken by Helen playing her cello. Helen, why are you playing your cello? Joe, all this talking about Lowell and John Cougar Mellencamp tussling around is making me horny. And when I get horny, I need something between my legs. And since we broke up, that something is my cello. Come on, Helen. No, you come on, Joe. Come on me. Um, guys, you don't know we can all hear you, Brian stated, obviously. Again, an awkward silence fell on the Cessna 402C business liner. The hum of its light twin-piston engine was the only noise that could be heard until Antonio offered. In Italy, when there is an uncomfortable moment, we have an expression. Quando vengono meno le parole, mettere un lingua nel culo. That was beautiful, Antonio. What does it mean? When worlds fail, use your tongue to lick someone's butt. <laughs> that does it. If someone doesn't stick their penis in me right now, I will go insane, blurted Faye. She grabbed Brian's tacky palm tree tie and ripped off his lavender silk shirt with a strength only possessed by the postmenopausal. <laughs> Maybe you should take it easy, Faye, Brian stammered as he nakedly writhed out of Faye's grip. Yeah, Faye, it's probably not the best idea to have sex while we're flying, Joe said pedantically. Boy, was he a boring piece of shit. <laughs> Step aside, morons, I'll give Cochran some of my aeromass. It was not uncommon for Roy to refer to his penis as aeromass since, like his airline... His penis was simply an extension of himself, and neither his penis or his airline ever went into any interesting ports. <laughs> Roy hulkishly clambered out of his seat and unloosened his overstretched belt, releasing a cascade of belly fat that created the visual effect of a tiny penis, similar to a barrel tumbling through the Niagara Falls of his obesity. Who would have thought the owner of Merrimass would have such a tiny penis, mocked Brian. Yeah, Aeromass, more like Aeroless, added Antonio. English clearly wasn't his first language. Faye looked sleepishly at Roy and said, Actually, Roy, I'm not that horny. I'll just go back to my knitting. Faye's vagina dried up faster than a tarmac on a hot summer day. She shoved her sh shriveled, saggy breasts back into her Playtex bra. 
Roy, maybe you wouldn't mind if I pleasured Faye. Lloyd Lowell stood up, sending Roy crashing back to his seat, eerily reminiscent of the Hindenburg crash in 1937. <laughs> Lowell threw his hat back in the plane, unleashed his flax and locks, and began pulling off his overalls, taking off his sooty white T-shirt. Hey, guys, it looks like there's a leak in the fuel tank, Joe interrupted. Indeed there is, Faye replied. Her giant white panties were drenched with her vaginal discharge. That's how sex works, guys. <laughs> Lowell, is that a wrench in your pants, or are you just happy to see me? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Lowell pulled the wrench out of his pants and threw it into the back of the plane with his hat. Gosh, I can't believe this is happening, Helen said as she tried to cover her eyes to the intercourse happening in row three. A brief glimpse of Lowell made her forget all about the cello between her legs as it hit the steering column on the plane. Helen, your cello is affecting the steering, Joe exclaimed. Shut up, Joe, retorted Helen. Lowell's erect penis was like a bow, ready to play the strings of her labia, which made Helen regret her tradition of not shaving before auditions. Lowell, when you're done with Faye, why don't you tinker with me a bit? Helen pulled down the top of her black dress, revealing two pert breasts. Her swollen nipples were like two rubies, perfectly floating in a sea of alabaster skin. Holy cow, Chapel, you never said you had such great gazungas, howled Roy, completely ruining the mood as he fumbled around his crotch in search of his penis. <laughs> Helen, if I may, Antonio chimed in. Since Lowell is busy with Faye and we were once married, I thought maybe... Antonio, just shut up and bake my lasagna. With that racist taunt, Helen leapt onto Antonio and pulled off her black lace panties. She unzipped his dungarees and started sucking on his testicles. How do you like my meatballs? Antonio asked satisfactorily. But Helen couldn't respond as she was too busy slurping down his linguine. <laughs> Joe, can you believe what's happening? Brian asked incredulously while clutching the remains of his torn shirt to his chest. Yeah, I know, right, Brian? But Brian couldn't respond either as his face was dragged towards Helen's damp runway. And much like making a landing during a Nantucket winter, Brian was going to have to make a visual flight rules landing. He pulled up his nose and made a perfect three-point landing, tongue, lips, and chin, settling into Helen's thatchy vagina. While it was perhaps not sexually arousing for Helen, it was a very accurate analogy to flying. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lowell was hammering Faye as if she were a sheet of wing casing bent out of shape. Thump, thump, thump. Lowell was pounding her so hard that, unlike wing casing, when Lowell was through with Faye, she'd be grounded for quite some time. Will you guys please stop having sex on my plane, Joe demanded. Shut up, Joe, the orgy all yelled back. Roy timidly approached Helen, who was busy functioning as the lintel between Antonio and Brian's erect posts. He realized there was, literal, there was a literal opening that he could slide in with Faye, so he slid his pimple dick into Faye's ear. <laughs> what are you doing, Roy? demanded Faye. Shut up. It's the only way I can get off. Besides, an article in Women's Day said that ears are the third most erogenous zone on a woman's body. Seriously, guys, I think there's something wrong with a plane, and all of you having sex is not helping, Joe finally yelled authoritatively. The plane was beginning to lose altitude, but nobody was listening to Joe's complaints, especially Faye, who was currently using Roy's penis as an earplug. Little did she know that the popping in her ears wasn't the change in air pressure, but was in fact Roy Seaman. <laughs> Guys, we're all going to die, Joe screamed. If I'm going to die, I want to die making love, Antonio replied mid-heave. Wait a minute, Lowell stopped unclogging, uh, Lowell stopped unclogging a phase throat with his man plunger. Joe, what four forces make a plane fly? Lowell, what are you talking about? Lift, drag, gravity, and thrust, Brian suggested. Thrust, that's it. What if we all had sex in the same time? in the same direction. What are you talking about? Joe, I think Lowell might be right, Brian said, giving a momentary sexual respite to Helen. I don't know, guys. I don't think having sex all at once is going to do anything. Well, Joe, it wouldn't hurt, Helen encouraged. Let's give it a shot. You fly the plane, Lowell can have sex with Faye, I'll have sex with Brian, and Antonio can have sex with Roy. Fine, but I don't think it'll work. 
Hey, there's no way I'm letting Scarpacci's garlic noodle anywhere near me, objected Roy. <laughs> Face it, Roy, your penis is too small to move this piece of junk plane. Thanks a lot, Helen, Joe said sarcastically. Seriously, Roy, bend over and spread them. Yes, yeah, spread them, big boy. Daddy's coming, Antonio sneered. <laughs> Helen announced, all right, on count of three. One, two, three. The sextet began their coordinated movements. And believe it or not, the plane worked. The plan worked. Lowell, Brian, and Antonio were providing just enough thrust to that plane that the Cessna 402C business liner, whose maximum speed was 230 knots, was able to get enough lift. Just a little more, we can land this in the field, Joe announced. And as soon as the plane touched ground, everyone came in perfect synchronicity. <laughs> Even Roy trickled the little semen onto the leather seats. Whew. That was a close one, Joe breathed heavily. Thank you so much for saving our lives, Joe. Helen's wet, naked body wrapped Joe in a warm embrace that he hadn't felt since season three. Thanks, Joe, Lowell added as he rubbed his still-erect penis on Joe's white shirt. No problem, guys. I just can't believe that worked, Joe exclaimed. It's just too bad that you didn't get to have any sex, muttered Faye. And in one beautiful moment, everyone locked eyes with each other and proceeded to fuck every part of Joe's body. Faye sucked his cock, Helen sat on his face, Lowell lodged his rod up Joe's butt, and Antonio and Brian rubbed their dicks behind Joe's kneecaps, which Antonio recently read in a Woman's Day article was the third most erogenous stone on a man. <laughs> Roy, again, not sure what he, where he could be involved in this orgy, lazily smashed his flaccid pencil dick into Joe's ear hole. <laughs> well, Joe thought, I didn't get to see Mellencamp, but I truly had a wild night. Thanks. <laughs> Raj Subaraman. He left out the redhead. What's up with that? All right. Give it over Chris Tinkle, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Tinkle. Clap your hands for Chris Tinkle, folks. What's up, buddy? How are you? All right. How's it going? All right. This piece is called... WrestleMania 30, no holds barred, false count anywhere, battle royale, locker room, fuck fest. <laughs> Jesus Christ, my tits will not stop sagging, said a, a very sad Ric Flair as he looked at himself in the mirror. He used, to have the, he used to have the body of Adonis, he thought, but at 60 years old, with a bad fake tan, he had started to look something, something like fell out of a, an Adonis' asshole instead. This was WrestleMania, and unfortunately, Ric Flair was having a fat day. Two icons, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, they were going to finally face each other in the grandest stage of them all, WrestleMania, which is the Super Bowl of, of all wrestling events. They had, in fact, wrestled several times in the past, but they had never had that epic match at the biggest, at the, at the, at the biggest wrestling show ever. But as both men reached the end of their careers, they were going to get one final match in the best wrestling organization in the biggest event. It's WrestleMania, baby. Hey, brother, said Hulk Hogan as he walked into the locker room. For a moment, Ric Flair, he tried to suck in his stomach and his chest out of embarrassment, but one look at Hulk Hogan's aging body and his B-cups, he knew he had nothing else to be ashamed of. So are we going to do this or what, brother? Hulk Hogan stopped by. Hulk Hogan stopped by Ric Flair's locker room to, get, to go over some final pieces for the match. Between the two of them, they've had 32 surgeries, one broken hip and a broken back, but they had promised to leave it all in the ring for this one night. All right, brother, you're going to start off hot. You're going to take a lot of cheap shots, a lot of cheap heat, and you're going to work on my leg, and you're going to set up for the figure four, said Hulk Hogan. Yeah, then we'll take it outside, said Ric Flair. Then I'll grab a chair, and I'll just start punching your leg with it over and over again. And Ric Flair's voice started to trail off, as he had noticed something about Hulk Hogan that he had never noticed before. He never really knows how big he, that his arms were. The Hulkster always called his biceps 24-inch pythons, but it just dawned on him how big that actually was. 
That was like three of his dicks combined. Ric Flair thought. Ric Flair tried to stay at the task on hand. Um, yeah, yeah. So why don't we, you know, uh, go outside for a bit? We'll keep it outside. Give me a pile driver, and then you can make your comeback. And Ric Flair found himself trailing off once again. God damn, his arms are big. He thought. And he unknowingly started to adjust his ball sack, <laughs> separating the balls with his dick in one finger flick. Ric Flair inhaled through his nose as his penis ignored him and piggybacked right back onto his balls. And his eyes, Ric Flair thought, for a dude that looks like a fucked up basset hound. <laughs> he's got some beautiful eyes. Maybe they're green. That'd be kind of nice to look at when my cock is in his mouth. What the fuck was that, he started thinking. Where's this coming from? Ric Flair had never looked at another man in this way before. In the 80s and 90s, he spent years fucking some of the hottest women in the world and some of the ugliest Waffle House waitresses. <laughs> there was a war going on in Ric Flair's head and passion and a, and a lust for muscles. It was winning. You all right, brother? Hulk Hogan asked as he began to lay on the floor and stretch out. His arms were overhead and his veins were pumping back and forth. And the Hulkster changed positions and laid on the floor f further. Stomach down, ass up. He began to stretch his arms forward and Ric Flair began adjusting his dick and balls once again. Why don't you come down here and help me stretch out, brother? Said Hulk. Yeah, sure, said Rick, as he jumped down and sat next to Hulk. Fuck yeah, brother, that's the spot. <laughs> you ain't that shit, said Hulk Hogan. Hulk continued to let out manly moans as Rick began to feel a little bit of sweat on his forehead. He yanked Hulk's arms and stood and stared at his bulging spray tan yellow, yellow and red tights. With every ass clinch Hulk Hogan was unleashing, a beast was waking up inside the nature boy. He began to stretch out one arm only because he needed he need the other arm to stroke his dick back and forth. <laughs> rubbing and staring, staring and rubbing, Ric Flair, he began to grow into his speedos. Hulk Hogan turned over. He was going to try to stretch the front part of his body, and he noticed that Ric Flair was getting bigger. What's up, brother? <laughs> said Hulk Hogan, sitting up. Nothing, man. At that moment, their eyes met, and Hulk Hogan knew what was up, and it was Ric Flair's dick, and it was all his fault. <laughs> Come here, brother, said Hulk Hogan, as he took his hand and lowered him to the floor. Ric Flair went in for a kiss, but Hulk Hogan stopped him. A hoaxer may have the biggest pythons in the world. He may be a multiple-time world heavyweight wrestling champion, but the first time he let a guy fuck his ass, he wanted to be treated with kindness. <laughs> 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 fuck. My mom's so proud. He... <laughs> He lowered Ric Flair onto the floor and kissed him gently, caressing the old man's skin on the back of his neck. And the both of them gazed in each other's eyes and laid, on the, laid back on the cold locker room floor, kissing and rubbing each other. Part two. At the very moment that, that Ric Flair was figure-fouring Hulk Hogan's cock with his hand, that moment, the, Calla, the Callahan family was pulling into the parking lot. Liz Callahan had brought her two sons for a very private meeting with the current World Wrestling Entertainment Champion, John Cena, and a few other superstars. Kyle Callahan has ALS, the exact same disease as Stephen Hawking's. 
As part of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, Kyle was granted a special meet and greet with the champion, John Cena, before he died. <laughs> Unbeknownst to him, this would be his last Make-A-Wish. <laughs> Not because he was going to die, but because he actually won't die. This is the, set, this is the third Make-A-Wish he had. Not, the first wish, he was to meet Justin Bieber. And the second, he got to meet LeBron James. And the Make-A-Wish Foundation cannot simply just keep granting wishes to children who won't die. <laughs> so the usual rule is you get one wish and then you quietly die. <laughs> but Kyle just keeps defying all odds. An internal, memo, an, an internal memo from the president of the Make-A-Wish Foundation read, this is, Kyle, this is Kyle Callahan's last wish. This little fucker won't die. As the Callahan family parked, Kyle was upset. He was, he was lifted out of the van by hydraulics, and he was cursing. He couldn't speak a word, so his words came out of a small computer speaker. I don't understand, Kyle said with a robot voice. Kyle had been upset all day because his older brother, Tim, who was actually totally healthy, um, he was allowed to come also. Tim played football and got, and got his first blowjob when he was 10. Kyle didn't think it was fair that uh, Tim got to meet the WWE superstars like he did, even though he was totally fine and able to get blowjobs at will. <laughs> Why does he get to come here? I'm the one who's dying. Kyle's mother ignored him and put the scarf around his neck. And, began, and Tim pushed his brother in his chair towards the stadium. Kyle snapped. Get your hands off me, corn nuts. Kyle corrected himself. I mean, fuck nuts. <laughs> They ignored Kyle and made their way up, up the stadium to the WWE superstars to go meet them in, in the locker room area. Part three. Arrgh! Yelled Hulk Hogan as Ric Flair grabbed the back of his head and, and what was left of his hair. Their, their mutual respect and tenderness that they felt towards each other had dissipated. And this had turned into nothing more than a slobber-knocker fuckfest. <laughs> Flair thrusted hard back and forth. Woo! Chanted Ric Flair as Hulk took it and groaned. Woo! At that moment, a giant figure of a man stood in the doorway. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. It was The Rock or Dwayne Johnson, if you're a fan of those gay Fast and Furious movies. He was scheduled to be the special guest referee for this match, and he looked the part. A pair of black slacks and a referee shirt with no sleeves, showing off his bowling ball shoulders and veiny forearms. And The Rock stopped by to go over the plans for the match. Ric Flair stopped mid-thrust and smiled at The Rock. Are you going to jump in here, Rock? Take a ride on Space Mountain? Woo! His confidence was growing as Hulk Hogan was silent and nearly unconscious from the fucking pounding his ass had taken. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm just going to sit back here and uh, referee if you don't mind. If Vin, if Vin Diesel find out I was cheating on him, then will you two fucking dinosaurs? I get kicked off the Fast and the Furious franchise. And take it easy on him, Nick. But that's not my name, said Ric Flair. My name is, it doesn't matter what your name is, said The Rock. Flair kept going as The Rock approached Hulk Hogan and asked him if he was okay. Hulk didn't respond, so The Rock lifted up Hulk Hogan's massive arm and dropped it to his side, and it fell lifelessly. And The Rock picked up Hulk's arm for a second time, and it fell fast. And The Rock looked concerned and picked his, up arm, picked his arm up for a third time as Flair continued to pump. If the arm fell a third time, The Rock knew he was going to have to stop it. 
So the rock picked up Hulk Hogan's arm and left it in the air. It started to fall, but stopped halfway as Hulk Hogan began to shake his arm. A little at first. And then his head started to shake back and forth. Flair tried to keep pumping him, but these pumps were not having any effect on Hulk anymore. And the Hulk pinched his butt cheeks, and Flair's dick was forced out. Hulk Hogan kept shaking his head back and forth and spun around. He looked at Ric Flair and shook his head back and forth and waved his finger and went, No! Hulk Hogan had officially hulked up. At this moment, Hulk Hogan picked up Ric Flair and body slammed him on the floor as hard as he could. He ripped off his red speedos and forced himself in, into Ric Flair's mouth. Say woo, barked Hulk Hogan. Say woo, brother. Ric Flair tried to say woo with a mouthful of Hulk Hogan dick. Brr, brr, said Ric Flair. <laughs> At that moment, Hulk Hogan lifted up Ric Flair, spun around and inserted his football-colored uh, cock into Ric Flair's ass. Woo, Ric Flair screamed. At that moment, Hulk Hogan, he began to pound and thrust on Ric Flair. And he went back too far and accidentally elbowed the rock in the face. And the rock crumbled to the floor in a heap. Oh my God, the referee is out cold. There was no one that was going to be able to stop this madness as Hulk Hogan kept pumping back and forth. For some reason, Ric Flair, he started, he started bleeding from his forehead. And his bleached blonde hair turned to a bright pink as blood ran down his face. For the second time in two minutes, Ric Flair was busted wide open. Fuck. At that, at that moment, John Cena burst into the locker room and he heard noises and he checked in to see if everybody was okay. Jesus Christ, what are you animals doing? We have a Make-A-Wish kid coming to the locker room in two minutes. Hurry up and finish fucking him so we can clean this mess up. And The Rock started to wake up and walked over to, to, to Ric Flair, who is now getting his ass pounded missionary style. Two minutes. I could finish in that time. And The Rock pulled out his massive Samoan and African-American cock and started jerking all over Nature Boy Ric Flair. He stroked and stroked, and The Rock started to shake as, as he was going to climax. Oh, I'm shooting out millions of sperm right now. And I mean millions. And The Rock and Hulk Hogan came all over Ric Flair at the exact same time. And John Cena took off his shirt and used it as a, jig, as a jizz rag, wiping down Ric Flair of all the semen and blood on his body. Just then, as the, men, as the men started to adjust themselves and their dicks, a PR lady was heard walking down the hallway. As voices got closer, and little Kyle Callahan came around the corner and spied John Cena. Hey, champ, Kyle said. Oh, cool. Is that shirt for me? John Cena hesitated as the PR lady grabbed the jizz rag shirt and laid it on Kyle Callahan's shoulder. <laughs> His dream had come true. The, the WWE superstars all quietly chuckled as they surrounded the young boy and gave him well wishes. Ric Flair exclaimed, let's all woo, woo, and then the rocks turn, woo, then Hulk Hogan, woo, and then little Kyle Callahan, woo, the end. Chris Dangle. All right. Metzger, are you here, buddy? Kurt Metzger? Kurt ever show up? I think that's it for round one. Round one contestants, get back up here. Everybody from round one, Chris. Ari, Chris, Robert, Raj, 
Everybody back up on stage. So, we're going to vote on a winner. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where Mesky's at. Uh, we're going to vote on a winner with your applause. So first I'm going to remind you the order that they read and what subjects that they did, and then I'll go back and we'll actually vote. So first, uh, we had Robert Dean with Candy Crush, then Ari Shafir with Miss Piggy, Raj Sivaraman with Wings, and Chris Tinkle with WrestleMania. So with your applause, starting with Robert Dean, Candy Crush. Ari Shafir, Miss Piggy. Raj Sivaraman, Wings. Chris Tinkle, WrestleMania. Your round one champion, Robert Dean, with Candy Crush, ladies and gentlemen. Let him hear it. Good stuff. Thank you so much, guys. Well, that does it for round one, and congratulations, Robert Dean. To hear round two from this show featuring Eliza Skinner, Sean Patton, Max Silvestri, Emmy Blotnick, and Dave Hill reading pieces they wrote based upon audience suggestions, download episode 40 next week. Upcoming live shows include December 15th at the American Comedy Company in San Diego. December 17th is the second biannual Los Angeles Championships at NerdMelt. December 28th at the Davis Square Theater in Boston. January 5th, Tacoma Comedy Club, Tacoma, Washington. I'll also be there January 2nd through 4th, opening for John Roy at the same club. And then January 30th, 31st, and February 1st, three nights in a row, San Francisco Sketchfest, competitive erotic fan fiction, all three nights, different venues. Check out sfsketchfest.com for details. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.